A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's gonna get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada Land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com join. And thank you. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. It's never an easy call with so many problems in the world to know where to direct the money that you donate when you want to help out in this world. But what I can tell you is that when you donate to CAMH, you're saving lives. We know about the opioid crisis. We know about the mental health crisis. They are doing the work. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help us treat addiction and build hope. This episode is sponsored in part by Squarespace. Squarespace is the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. Squarespace features an elegant interface, beautiful templates, and incredible 24-7 customer support. Try Squarespace at squarespace.com and enter the offer code CANADALAND at checkout to get 10% off. Desmond, I've introduced you like three times now, and I had radio waves, and then I wasn't recording. But uh, but here we are. I'm going to say hello to you again. It's weird. Hi. Desmond Cole, staff writer for Torontoist. Yes, it's nice to be here. Thank you. Welcome to Shortcuts. This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by Laura Sullivan, Jessica, Art of the Title, Ben, Ali Percival Whiteman, David George Kosh, Samir Khan, Nobu Edelman, Christopher Giro, John, Max Fawcett, and Squarespace.com. If you have any need for a website, you should just go have a look at Squarespace.com at their templates, which are, are simple and powerful and beautifully designed, and which you can just kind of like plug your own information in, at which point you will have a website that works on any device a website that has 24-7 support through live chat and email, a website that costs just 8 bucks a month, and you get a free domain if you buy Squarespace for the year. You can instantly start doing e-commerce on it and taking orders through your website on Squarespace, and you can check all of this out without even entering in a credit card. You can just start building the website, and once you see how easy it is and you're ready to go, and then you decide to actually sign up, make sure that you use the offer code Canada Land, you'll get 10% off and you'll be showing your support for this show. Squarespace, build it beautiful. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, it's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. 
Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. Tonight, breaking news, Foreign Affairs Minister John Baird is stepping down. John Baird was indeed, uh, after a storied career in, in politics, uh, ending it all. A shocker indeed, Lisa. Very few people, including senior cabinet ministers, knew that this was coming. We understand from people close to him that they all expect him to go over to the private sector. Of course, he uh, couldn't exactly be job hunting while holding a cabinet position. He wants to go out and make some money, sources say. He has a job lined up in the private sector as well as some corporate boards. Uh, any official job offers will have to wait until now. And usually when somebody resigns, uh, there are always kind words. Thank you uh, for your service to this country on behalf of the Liberal Party of Canada. We all get into politics, I think, for good reasons. Uh, for that, he should be acknowledged. He can now collect 100000 plus pension at age 55. He's 45 right now, but he wouldn't be able to collect that until 65 if he had run again in the next parliament because of new rules. Certainly uh, today, the Prime Minister and John Baird uh, showing mutual affection for one another. Uh, the Prime Minister giving Barrett a, hung, a hug after uh, his speech. I can step back and say that we have a country that is the best in the world. May God bless Canada. Thank you. Thank you. Desmond, he fixed the country. It's the best in the world. Mic drop. He's out. Say thank you. Give the guy a hug. That's it. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the way to go out, right? What the fuck? This is the right-hand man of the prime minister. This guy was, I mean, not so much lately, but I, I remember reading about, like, he, he could be the next prime minister. And he shocks everyone, disappears. And the media coverage has just been overwhelmingly, like, this hagiography, like, what a wonderful job he's done for us. The media has been filled with John Baird since this has happened. I don't know. Do you follow this stuff very closely? You know, 
I I have to admit that I don't follow it as closely as I follow things at the city and to a lesser extent the province of Ontario. I've you read know. you on municipal politics mm-hmm. very frequently. Mm-hmm. I mean, the personal stylings of John Baird, I'd say, probably not what I've been paying attention to all of these years. I do remember John Baird being part of the so-called common sense revolution with Mike Harris starting back in 1995. Yeah. I was still a high school student back then. And John Baird has very frequently in his different roles in government kind of played that attack dog. And I think you've seen that word a lot in the media. That's who John Baird has been. He's seemed to relish that role at a lot of times during his career. And I think that maybe what you're seeing in the media right now, in part, is that John Baird made a lot of great media. John Baird said and did a lot of really outlandish things during his time, which gives people like me uh, something interesting to write about, something out of the ordinary. I remember very well when... uh, Jim Flaherty passed away. Yeah. And of course, same roots with the uh, Harris government in the 90s. Yeah. Um, then went on to federal. I just remember the soaring tributes for a fellow. And I think this is what we do. I think we're this is part of the polite Canadian demeanor where we don't want to say anything bad about anybody once they have reached a milestone or or sadly, if they've passed on, we have a way of, and I think this is really a human thing, not just a Canadian thing, but we have a way of uh, speaking no ill of people once they've reached a certain, you know, landmark in their lives, or if they're sick, in the case of Rob Ford, you know, suddenly people said, well, how are we going to criticize him now? Right, as if right. As if all of the criticism before had been because he was healthy and able to defend himself, right? So <laughs> I thought of the Flaherty thing, too. You, I mean, you made two, two kind of reason, cases for why we're sort of like sanding away at the rough edges of a guy who was a partisan attack dog for years, like, like a totally divisive, aggressive character in the national stage, and now it's just this warm, fuzzy send-off. So the first, I think, is an interesting theory. I don't buy it, but it's a fun theory that we're just so appreciative of him as the media for giving him so many good sound bites that we're like, okay, we'll, we'll make it all nice and fuzzy as you leave. I like that theory. I don't know if I buy it. I definitely think there is this tendency to normalize things. Like, like it's, it's, this, it's the opposite impulse. Instead of being like, why is this happening? Why is, like, it's so strange. It's shocking everybody. It apparently shocked the PM. Why is he leaving? Is there a backstory? And is he being forced out as some have... Uh have some as some have proposed, or is he leaving on of his own volition? Is, right? Did he jump, or is he is he uh, being pushed? I mean, that's like that's just like the, satisfying my curiosity. We look to the media to like tell me why this happened, and the media seems to be driven by like let's make everything okay. I am trying to educate myself, and I, I, I mix up my Ibbotsons, my Ivisons, but this is John Ivison writing in the Post. Yeah, he was the. Uh, did he jump, or was he pushed? He wrote right? about it. Could he have been shown the door? There have been stories about him misusing government hospitality in the past. CTV reported that Mr. Baird and six of his friends stayed for free at the historic McDonald House, the official residence of the Canadian High Commissioner in London for a week, an account for which the Foreign Affairs Minister has still not forgiven the news organization. So Baird uh, bearing a grudge to CTV for reporting on that. Well, okay. Uh, The story is not unique. If more explosive revelations were coming, even the prospect of jettisoning a foreign affairs minister in the run-up to an election might appear to be reasonable damage control on the part of the prime minister. And uh, Iveson continues, he calls Baird the hard-living minister uh, who is said to be finalizing two offers. So, again, there's dissonance there where CBC was saying, well, obviously he wouldn't be job hunting while he was still a minister. And there's almost like a wink-wink, nudge-nudge to that. And then Iveson is saying, well, yeah, he's had two offers in the private sector. So that's like the dirty reason is like maybe these these like uh, accusations are catching up with him and, and Harper showed him the door. But even the clean reason is kind of an indictment, which is essentially 
that, and you heard it in there, that was uh, Fife from CTV saying, if he leaves now, he gets a million dollars that he wouldn't get. And, and, you know, he'd he'd have to wait 10 years for his pension if if he sticks around. Well, who wouldn't that be a consideration for? I mean, let's be honest. If you or I had negotiated a contract with our employer and we had a clause that would or would not kick in to give or not give us a million extra dollars over the course of our lives and for retirement and for taking care of ourselves, of course that'd be a consideration. So I don't be I don't begrudge John Baird making that consideration when deciding if he wants to run in another election. I mean, let's also remember that uh, politics, for whatever we think of the actors, is one of the most self uh, or sorry, thankless games in town. And I don't envy anyone having to conduct elections. I've run in a municipal election, yeah. which is a very different animal, but it ain't any fun. I don't even know many people who win a lot who like campaigns. And so these are all fair considerations to me. I'm not going to say that John Baird is just greedy because he wants to think about his his, his future. It's 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 a, a lot of things are getting shaken up too by this uh, new allotment of seats federally, right? And so we've got ridings all over the place where people are going to have to kind of run in un, uh, unchartered territory for them and, and parts of maybe even the same uh, city or region, but kind of that they haven't run. It's like next door or it's across the river and it's a different constituency and maybe different concerns. And so that would make somebody think twice, I think. Well, that's the other part of this, and let's yeah, let's avoid calling him greedy, and let's and let's give him the benefit of the doubt that those uh, you know uh, possible scandals that Iveson was uh, suggesting have nothing to do with this. Even in the best case scenario, if we're just going to report like the most obvious, like Occam's Razor, he gets a million bucks if he does it now. He might not win his seat uh, if he sticks around. So. He's going to leave his party, and everyone has agreed on one thing, that this is not good for the conservatives, and he's going to screw up their chances in Ontario because he's operating out of self-interest, which let's make no judgment about him operating out of self-interest. And I think that there was a follow-up column by Evison where he said that, you know, he, you know Baird saw that Flaherty, when he, uh, when he died, had a, an estate of a, a merely a million dollars. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and so why not get out? You know, his, his stock is high. You know, this is a good time to cash in his chips. So report that, you know, like it, it, that's fine, uh, and and we can we can you know be even handed about that. But those are just like a statement of, of of the the circumstances of his departure, which is a little bit different than you know. I mean, I can't even believe some of the stuff I'm reading is celebrating him for his final act as foreign minister to be uh, orchestrating the release of Mohammed Fahmy. Yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah. Well, okay. So there's going to be on the next Canada Land. Uh, I think we're going to have an in-depth report about what actually happened there. But if you talk to Mohammed Fahmy's family about what they think about John Baird and, and what he did uh, or didn't do to lobby for Mohammed's release, you're not going to hear a lot of celebrating of John Baird. We begin tonight with big changes to national security in this country. Sweeping new powers are being given to our spy agency, CSIS. Powers, the prime minister says, will disrupt terrorist plots. Jihadists have declared war on Canada. And, and now the conservative wars. government is declaring war on them with new anti-terror laws the prime minister says will make Canadians safer. We are in a world that is becoming increasingly unsafe. The proposed legislation is expected to give CSIS broad new powers to stop would be jihadists in Canada before they can leave the country. CSIS will not only be able to gather intelligence on potential threats, but under this bill actually disrupt the threat by covertly interfering with radical websites, block financial transactions linked to suspected terrorist activity. The goal? 
to prevent attacks like the one on Parliament Hill last October. Work on the bill began mere hours after Michael Zihaf Bebo stormed Parliament Hill armed with a rifle. Oh, boy. Okay, so in the wake of that terrorist attack in October, I remember there were journalists on Twitter saying, like, let's take bets on when Harper's going to link this to anti-terrorist legislation. And I think it, ha- it happened, you know, within the hour. I don't understand why the media has to echo that and make the direct parallel. Work on this bill started, actually work on the bill started, you know, many days, weeks and months before that terrorist attack. And the months, terrorist attack, months. Months before it was already in the works. And the attack was used as justification for legislation that they already wanted. I mean, it, they, they politicized uh, a murder, you know. They well, did. let's go back to 2013, because this is something on the federal scene that I have been following a little bit. In 2013, a uh, couple things happened. The summer of 2013, there was a bombing at the Boston Marathon, now infamously, of course. And uh, there was also two men who were picked up on suspicion that they were planning to cause a train derailment between New York and Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, those two things coincided. And then... We had uh, the prime minister saying, okay, it's time for some new anti-terror legislation. And that legislation uh, was called Bill S-7 at the time, was proposing some pretty strong changes to the way that uh, you're allowed to arrest and detain someone in this country. The notion of what's called preventative detention, the idea that the government suspects you're going to do something and detains you before you actually do it, kind of like Minority Report with the precogs. Yeah, thought, thought crime stuff. Uh, yeah. And, and like and, for like it, moving it from like three days to a week, like detaining you for a week without charges, I think. I think uh, lower thresholds for obtaining warrants. I have to go back and look exactly at this uh, S7 documentation. What's important about it was that the NDP got wind of this and they said, absolutely not. And they fought it tooth and nail. They were in committee trying to get changes, trying to filibuster the bill at the last moment and stall, 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 so that they could tell Canadians, like, look, we're not on about this legislation and we think it's actually curtailing people's rights and not striking the right balance in terms of safety. You'll remember at that time, Justin Trudeau made a lot of headlines. He was talking about the root causes of terrorism, right? Uh, In the wake of these attacks and saying we need to get to the root causes. And he was lamb. Basted, not only by the prime minister, which was to be expected, but by the media. Yeah. And I found that to be so interesting because it was like it was a communications analysis of a news event. Like, oh, Justin, you're being so naive, son. Like, you, you, can't, you can't talk about the root causes of terrorism the days following a terrorist attack. That's just playing into the prime minister's hands. And that seemed to be what the media were interested in talking about rather than whether or not the proposed legislation, for example, was going to get at the root causes, whether or not Justin Trudeau was going to support the proposed legislation, which, by the way, the party did. Yeah. And that brings me back to today, because now this is uh, with the passage of the new CSIS anti-terror legislation yesterday. This is now two times in the last three years that the Liberal Party has supported in full the legislation, the anti-terror legislation of the federal conservative government, but that Justin Trudeau has been absent from the vote, the final vote in the House of Commons. Justin Trudeau wasn't there last night when every liberal who was there voted in favor of this new anti-terror legislation on CSIS. What do you make of that? Well, I I make of it the same thing I did when he did that in, in, in 2013, 
after talking about the root causes of terror. And by the way, people in the Liberal Party on this bill that was passed last night were also talking about the root causes. They, they seem to want to be able to have it both ways, expressing concern for the deeper issues of terrorism while quietly supporting the government's uh, legislation that's actually curtailing a lot of our freedoms and may not really be keeping anyone anymore safe. I think Justin Trudeau is frankly just afraid to talk about this issue. And Having been smacked so hard the first time. Maybe. But I, I do think it's really important that Justin Trudeau tell us, because now he's actually just said in the last hour that there's yeah. even more anti-terror legislation coming down, as we know, because the conservatives have so many different pieces of, of so-called anti-terror legislation in the work right now. There is another one coming down the pipe, Bill C-51, I believe it is. And this one deals with saying that people are uh, advocating for terror and being able to detain you on that basis. It's a free speech thing. It is. Yeah. I can't go after the prime minister and the conservatives on this because they've always wanted more anti-terror provisions. When the liberals brought in anti-terror provisions after September 11th, they put a five-year sunset clause on them. Mm -hmm. They wanted them to expire. The conservatives were very open saying, we never want these to expire. We want this you know, these draconian measures in here for good. Yeah. They were consistent. Yeah. Okay. The NDP have been consistent in opposing them. Yeah. I think that the liberal case here is interesting because they seem to want to do both at the same time. They want to have both sides of this argument. Bob Ray had it right in 2011. When Bob Ray was the liberal leader in 2011 and the prime minister was proposing the new anti-terror legislation that ended up passing in 2013, Bob Ray said, look, We've been safe without the legislation. We haven't needed it. Yeah. So if the prime minister wants to introduce it, he needs to tell us why. Yeah. Justin Trudeau supports new anti-terror legislation, but is not telling us why. He's saying of this latest uh, Bill C-51 that it has some flaws, but that overall it, it, it's helping to protect Canadians. And so he's going to vote in favor of it. And that probably means the whole party will. That's not good enough for me. I don't trust any government. It doesn't matter the uh, stripe. I don't trust the government of Canada mm -hmm. to arbitrarily decide more and more which rights we don't need or can be sacrificed in the name of safety unless there's a full hearing and unless there's really extraordinary reasons why. And even then, I'm not sure I would support it because what I find happens is that people in our society who are already on the margins, who are already suspected of certain kinds of ideas or behaviors, and I'm speaking specifically about the Muslim community in this country, they're going to be the ones who bear the brunt of this. And if they are the ones who are the targets of this kind of legislation, a lot of people are not going to care because they have no love for the Muslim community in this country and have a lot of bad ideas about them. All of these conversations that need to happen... What is the right balance between security and freedom? It is not mutually exclusive that we can try to be safe and talk about the root causes of, of, of terrorism. So, you know, th there's all kinds of like civil discourse that has to happen about the legislation, about attitudes, about who it's going to affect, but whether we need it in a country that's only had two deaths since 9-11. Yes, yes. But I mean, even on that score, Jesse, those two deaths, what are we talking about when we say terrorism? Right. When somebody takes out Royal Canadian Mounted Police, are they not engaging in terror? When someone shoots up a block party and, yeah. and hits 20-something people with bullets, as has happened in Danzig, is that not terrorism? I don't have time for this word. It doesn't mean anything. And I'm not <laughs> yeah. saying I want those uh, uh, people in those instances that I just mentioned to be charged themselves with terrorism. I, I think that what we're talking about 
is putting scorn and scrutiny on Islam uh-huh. and on what we call radical jihad yeah. and what the prime minister calls Islamicism. We can yeah. make up all kinds of cool words for this. And I'm all for making up words because they're all made up in the first place. But I really don't think we're having the conversation that it is being portrayed that we're having where we're trying to balance rights versus safety. No, we're not. When, when somebody kills, do you remember the guy who killed four Royal Canadian Mounted Police officers from a, a loft? And he had a he had a rifle, I believe, and they came into this barn, and I think that there was some kind of drug yeah, yeah, operation yeah, yeah. in Alberta. No, not, not terrorism. And, and he not killed terrorism. Alfred. Not terrorism. Right. No. So, so we don't I have mean, to change I mean, the civil rights uh, of this country when something like that happens. No. So why why are we doing it now? Who is it really going to protect? And that's that's where the conversation should be. Because what the liberals seem to want right now is to express concern, as I said, for root causes. We're really worried about why this is happening. But in the meantime, if you want to take away some more people's rights, if you want to have more surveillance on people's activities, we're for that too. And I just think that that needs to be put plainly. No, it won't be. You're you're, you're way offside. You're way offside. (laughs) You can't talk about this stuff. No. It's, It's not like the media was saying, Trudeau, you're supporting the terrorists. Shut up. They were instead presenting the optics and the strategy, and this is where the media loves to report on the strategy of politics and say, that was really stupid of Justin Absolutely. to say that. Absolutely. That's the game. Yeah. That's the game nowadays is um, to essentially look at it, as I said, from a communications, good or bad kind of lens. And this is what we do as media. Is I, I actually think at this point, because the media are so fascinated with Prime Minister Harper's hardline tactics on every issue that he can get away with it, you know, the Prime Minister could walk up to a kid and steal his ice cream. And the media would be like, damn, that's hard. Do you think that's going to work? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it... it it's not it's not the kind of reporting that I and I, when I say the media on this program I am so sorry to everybody in the media. who I'm generalizing <laughs> right now because <laughs> who you uh, might work for right yeah I apologize I think just on a fundamental level I have a reaction about the media defining what's not on the table as opposed to putting things on the table like I just see like a fundamental like where we exist to yes, let's discuss this. This is this is where we discuss it. When we report on it, we invite conversation and feedback. This is where that happens. And instead using those channels as a standard bearer to slap Trudeau. And- like what's the return for Justin Trudeau? Because this is the thing. If someone in Canada is now attacked and killed in what people describe as a terror attack, Justin Trudeau is going to say there is no benefit for me to be standing up and, and saying this anymore. And, and I actually think that his original attempts to do so were part of a strategy. Like, great, talk about the root causes all you want. What have you proposed as an alternative yeah. that would get at the root causes? Or are you just talking right now to pull at people's heartstrings? But then again, like I said, quietly supporting uh, the legislation. If soldiers who are over in Iraq right now doing the missions that we're involved in against ISIS, if those soldiers are attacked and killed, I mean, what are the media going to say in this country, Jesse? Are, are, are they going to start talking about how we should never have been there in the first place? Or are there going to be more reluctance to do that because of the sensitivity and the emotion in the moment? This is what I'm trying to say, essentially, is that Zihaf Bibo and the incident with the soldier who was run over and killed in Quebec, these are emotional stories. Yeah. And I understand why people react to them emotionally. And there is not enough space to have another conversation about root causes or anything else in this country. Deference to emotion don't make me think I'm angry and scared. 
a lot of people are scared. The prime minister keeps talking about how scared people are, how concerned Canadians are, and the prime minister uses attacks on other people's soil. And again, how did our media respond to Charlie Hebdo? How did our media respond to Australia? And so when we see those folks being attacked, when we see the French with Liberté, Égalité, Solidarité, when we see them being attacked, we go, oh my God, oh my God, they're like us. We don't have these reactions in other parts of the world. And Harper used Charlie Hebdo in France as another opportunity to say, don't worry, everyone, there is new anti-terror legislation coming down the pipe. And rather than being like, whoa, that's really opportunist of you, Mm -hmm. I again feel like the fear of the and the emotion of that massacre, which was terrible in France, is so emotional and scary that there is no more room in our media left to be like, well, what are the underlying um, problems with the way that we want to react to this and with the way that people have become scared in the wake of it? This is actually what I think social media has been great for. Social media has been great for saying, okay, you're Charlie? Well, I'm actually the guy who's Muslim who was killed defending the people at Charlie that's a more human story. That's actually more representative of what the problem with all this free speech rhetoric is. That had to happen on social media because I don't think that until a little while afterwards in some of the alternative and independent publications that I read that that message was really getting out there. The first message when Australia got attacked and especially when France got attacked was that people in the West who live in Western industrialized white countries need to rally around each other. It's not time for anything else right now. And we should all be thinking about how this could happen to us Mm -hmm. because it's happening in France or Australia. That's how our media is reporting on these issues. Justin Trudeau must know it. The prime minister sure as hell knows it. And it's an obstacle to critical analysis of terrorism and our responses to it. Des McCall, thank you. Hey, man. Pleasure. That's your Canada Land Shortcuts for this week. You can reach me at jesse at jessebrown.ca. I read them all. I respond when I can. I'm on Twitter at jessebrown. Desmond, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Desmond Cole. The website is canadalandshow.com and the crowdfunding site is patreon.com slash canadaland. The next episode of Canada Land will be up on Monday. If you like this show, support it. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.